Following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, Got to play pinball And put in your earplugs Put on your eye shades You know where to put the cork Steady old part of the city Where the sun refused to shine People tell me there ain't no use in trying Now my girl, you're so young and pretty And one thing I know is true You'll be dead before your time is Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. This week, joining us, Adarsh Meshru, Philip Sexton, Mike Johnson, and over to our host, Tom Dupree. Welcome. Welcome. All right, so let's jump into this here. California is banning new gasoline cars starting in 2035, something like that. Exactly. Right on it. California's decision to ban sales of new conventional vehicles starting in 2035 shows how regulators' aggressive emission targets are forcibly reshaping an industry that is struggling to keep its customers on board. Well, the article is ostensibly about the auto industry, but I want to make it a little more about California. Uh, California, one of the six biggest economies in the world. California, because of uh, certain green, if you will, and I'm doing my fingers, uh, uh, policies. Uh, their forests have been burning at an incredible rate the desire to not log, but simply leave logs laying in the woods has certainly added to the tender box. And then uh, now they're going to dictate to the uh, auto companies that, you know, we don't want any more of your gasoline-powered cars it's interesting to me what happens when the government and thinking of a political subdivision like a state like California becomes totally in on itself with its own thinking, unable to admit that any of its own policies might be awry somehow and what that does to their economy, what that does to uh, the, the uh, w- wealthy people, 
the not so wealthy and the poor and how those kinds of regulations can become incredibly onerous and difficult for people to endure and therefore you have an exodus like you are having right now yeah it's it seems as if the the mindset to what you were saying tom is that they're they're only focused on one thing and that thing is is look at what we accomplished on emissions or look what we accomplished on deforestation or something like that and there's never a a thought or even a blink of an eye on what the repercussions are on None. the other side you look at gas stations what, what what in 30 years from now in 2050 when there probably won't be a, a combustion engine vehicle on the road in california what happens to what happens to gas stations? What happens to the owners of gas stations, the employees of gas stations? You know, do they retrofit to become a, a charging station? And if so, you don't need near as many of those. So you've Where got, are you gonna get your electricity in a state that has the most screwed up rolling black electric utility that there is? It's it's insane. Yeah. I think the funny thing too is is that you've got this state pushing and and this is a hilarious thought for you it's food for thought um you have the state pushing electric vehicles onto people and you have the the biggest electric vehicle um i guess name out there leaving the state or wanting to leave the state absolutely tell me tell yeah. me how that Te goes tesla down. he's what he's wanting to move to uh his yeah his battery systems over to texas yeah. And, that, and and that's the biggest thing in an electric car is the battery. I mean, that's the, that yeah. technology is, is every bit, if not more important than the engine. Because, I mean, an, an electric engine is an electric engine. They've been around for a long time. And, and what you got now is just variations on. But the battery, you know, to, to in order to get it to perform over a long period of time. And so let's do talk a little bit about how it does affect the auto industry. You know, these guys are running for the hills the same way the energy companies are scared to death, you know, and, and, and let me just, how in the hell are we going to in 25 years, not be using gasoline. That's just dumber than hell. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't get it. It uh, it doesn't make sense. Well, Philip, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. Well, I'm gonna get into this from a, a get mad, Philip. I'm gonna get into this from a competitive advantage standpoint. You know, as as the husband of a teacher and understanding the no child. I'm using the the Tom Air quotes here. The no child left behind policy out there. This is this is essentially what you're doing is, is you're changing the rules of the game in the middle of the game. The you're, you're going and saying okay. Well, I mean that's not necessarily yes. bad. No, it, no. It, it, creative disruption is what capitalism's about. But this is being done no. by politics. Creative uh, creative disruption is fine. The problem is is when someone creates something 
and you funnel them to it forcibly. That's, that's the problem. Yeah, that's that's, that's changing that's, the rules of the game. That's where you're pr- that, making it be by fiat. That'd be like me and you playing Monopoly and saying, if you're within five spaces of boardwalk, you automatically land on it because I own it. <laughs> you're screwed. <laughs> yep. That's that's the problem I have there. And it's it's forcing all these, these vehicle companies that are already spending capital on these things to spend quicker or else be at risk of forcibly put out of business um if you get what i'm saying well but you know you look at what a what an electric vehicle would cost in that kind of scenario i mean you look at to date the electric vehicles when they started pushing them you had all these government subsidies associated with the electric vehicles going to the manufacturer to so that they could actually sell the things to at a price people would buy you know who's going to be able to afford if it's mandated who's going to be able to afford it so you know to tom's point initially you know what is this going to do to the you know not not the ultra wealthy but on down the line you know people that are trying to afford a car to commute you know if they're working you know a minimum wage job you know how are they going to afford an electric vehicle if it's not subsidized by the government in some form or fashion. And so who's going to end up paying for it? Taxpayers. Taxpayers are going to get tapped out pretty quick. Yep. I mean, with, with COVID, with what's happened with that, I mean, there, there's going to come a point where local and state governments can't borrow anymore. And even maybe the federal government. Yeah. But wouldn't you say that's right? Well, cause you can only borrow against, your tax base and if your tax base is leaving yeah and, and and if you're the feds you can really only borrow against your gdp yeah right um yeah so that that is definitely true uh, a state or a city does not have the same uh, resources as uh, the you know the treasury and uh i mean ultimately how much can the treasury borrow you know um uh, we're are. gonna find out <laughs> um, we're gonna find out <laughs> uh, i mean the closest example of uh uh you know a big economy having borrowed a lot of money uh outside of uh great britain during world war ii uh, and the u.s during world war ii is japan presently which has borrowed two times its gdp so um but of course, Japan is an economy that's been stagnating also. So we don't know how all this is going to end up. Uh, Did the money that they borrowed go into transfer payments or? Uh, uh, I would it say. It wasn't military or infrastructure, was it? Some of it was probably infrastructure. It wasn't the military, no, because. Uh, they don't really have one. I mean, they have something, but it's they, there are restrictions on how 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 much they can have. They can well, have yes. And a lot of Japan's sovereign debt has remained inside of Japan as well, it, it similar has, to yes. the U.S. And one of the things that uh, Shinzo Abe, who is about to step down, I think he's already stepped down, but for health reasons, they coined this term called Abenomics. So he came into power. Uh, I guess it's been six, seven years now, and he was trying to get Japan out of this continuous you know depression that they've been in by spending on infrastructure right. and things like that uh so but it, it's been tough and a big reason is that uh they just don't have a, a young population and uh you know they keep getting back into the same uh, cycle so uh, 
uh, yeah, but this thing with, you know, as, as far as car companies go, I mean, I, I think, you know, this wave towards electric is, is definitely here to stay. Uh, and um, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, I, I would think that more and more cars will be electric. But as far as whether the, you know, the government mandate is the right way to go that, you know, that uh, I, I agree that you, you can't completely, uh, you know, push it on these auto companies. Uh, but at the same time, if these auto companies don't do it, then they're going to be left out. Yeah, exactly. But I think to what Mike was saying too, is that when, if I'm like a Toyota or a Ford or a GM and I've got a five to 10 year runway on where I want to be, and then you come in and say, no, it needs to be two years. Right. Well, then you now have to change your whole present value calculation of your spin, of, of right. your expenditures, which just like a drug company out there, when they're looking at putting a drug out, they're looking at what their sunk cost is. So when your sunk cost increases, the cost of the vehicle or the drug for a drug company naturally has to increase to the consumer to collect your rate of return that you that you need in order to create unless you just want to have some sunk cost <laughs> some of which you don't earn a, a return on all right let's the, move to the go ahead i was to say uh, uh, shifting gears on that same thing a little bit though you know tesla has been obviously the the hot trade this year um robin hood traders different things so it's all in the news and you look at the valuation of tesla today and there was in this article it talks about morgan stanley uh they made a prediction that by 2040 uh volkswagen would be the leading electric vehicle manufacturer they anticipate that it's going to sell 11.2 million electric vehicles followed by toyota with six and a half million tesla with 4.9 million and then gm with 4.1 million so currently tesla if you look at those four companies tesla's market cap today is 376 billion those other three combined today are 310 billion so morgan stanley when you're looking at looking at tesla they're they're, they're telling you to short tesla basically yeah yeah i mean they're not they, even anticipating they didn't even they're, they're not anticipating that they're going to be the leader by 2040 they're still going to be you know third in line well um either that so, or you need to be long gm toyota and Volkswagen, <laughs> so they catch up. So maybe we, <laughs> yeah. maybe we should talk about it. Um, IBM came out with the first PC. Now I don't think Apple's computer, which was not, it was either right around that time, um, was not really a PC because the PC would, was attached to the IBM name. But very soon thereafter, uh, you had what were called clones. And then you had companies that made clones, and they got bigger and bigger. And then, you know, you end up having people like Dell and Hewlett-Packard and uh, Gateway. Gateway, who um, all took a huge... You know, IBM, and, and this is just a little comment, should have locked that thing down mm -hmm. like Apple did with their, th with, with their computer. 
IBM should have locked it down. But they allowed the uh, software to be, or not the, well, the software was what it was. That was proprietary to Microsoft. But they allowed the uh, hardware to become basically non-proprietary. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got the first mover um, Tesla, but how much of what they've got is really proprietary? I, I don't know. I would say the battery is right, but a battery is a battery guys. Let's get, well, let's yeah. face it. It's, yeah. it's just like fuel, fuel economy. It's the same principle. If somebody makes a better battery, it's not going to keep you on Tesla's radar. If you, if you go from 300 miles on a charge to 500 miles on a charge, well, sorry, bye. I'm going this way. Right. All right. Opinion. Your <laughs> retirement probably won't be anything like your parents, and that's not good news. Oh, come on. Give us some good news. When are we going to get real about the looming retirement and aging crisis in this country? Oh, this, this guy's negative, but anyway, no, it's Brett Aaron's. He's typically pretty good. If you don't do something, it's going to make the COVID-19 crisis look like a walk in the park. So basically, um, they're saying that, um, the bottom line is, uh, cash flow is not there to meet, um, needs and they're talking about buying long-term care insurance and instead of that people are basically living with family and friends and uh and that sort of thing right you know I, I'm, I'm i'm gonna be honest with you i know it's not easy but i'd rather live with family and friends instead of getting stuck in one of these uh, nursing homes for six months and you can't come out and nobody can come in to see you because of COVID. Right. The, the thing is that we're, we're seeing that, um, the America is not Italy. You know, our, the, our way of life isn't designed for, you know, multi-generational, you know, living conditions. I mean, you, you look at the flux that families are in right now with, uh, childcare you know, people that can't go to work because, you know, have to stay home because the kid can't go to school or daycare. Yeah. I mean, that's just thrown every, a monkey in that whole wrench. And, you know, you throw in there, you know, uh, a parent or a grandparent that, you know, is living with you and you, you just, you can't do it. All uh, the better reason to have a good retire, uh, financial advisor. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the, the thing is, the, the problem, the crux of the problem is, is that a lot of people haven't saved over their lifetime or they're yeah. starting late. And, you know, that's the, you know, the earlier you start, the better. Um, but it's something we've talked on here all the time about having a plan and sticking with that plan, you know, be it a savings plan, an investment plan, but staying on course and having a long-term yeah. plan to get there and that's what the the crazy thing from that article you know is over half uh, basically half of the respondents that they they polled said that their plan was to live with family and friends their plan yeah was to do that well i hope first off that you you 
got an okay on the other end of your plan that yeah yeah you can come on in you know that's 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 yeah. first and foremost because you don't just drop that on somebody hey i'm moving in I tell you to stick it is what they'll do if, if they don't like you enough but the second thing is is that affects their plan you know because that's the problem is that's is right. that to what you were saying mike when if if Tom moves in with me and I got to take care of him. Well, now I don't work a full-time job. Now I don't save for retirement. You know why? Because I'm going to be your full-time job. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? You're going yeah. to be, it's you and me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to enjoy it too. At least I am. <laughs> Oops. I dropped the hairdryer in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway that's that's the thing is that then it, it 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 affects all plans so that's that's where you need to start as soon as you can to develop a plan and then the key is to stay with the plan at all times and, and know why you're doing the plan and tom and i need to talk about our plan because that this whole conversation made me a little nervous <laughs> anyway Stay tuned. We'll be back for the second half of the hour in just a few minutes. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show coming to you from the Dupree Financial Studios on Main Street. Stay tuned. Now, my girl, you're so young and pretty. And one thing I know is true, yeah. You'll be dead before your time is due. Know it. Happening over there. Peace in the Middle East. Happening right here. Defund the police. Pandemic relief. You must vote. No matter where it happens, your world happens. Know exactly what is happening. Here. To listen and learn. News Radio 630 WLAP. We live in uncertain times. It is not uncommon for investors to be fearful about the equity markets and what they may or may not do. At Dupree Financial Group, we are here to act as a sounding board for our clients and prospects as they seek to develop understanding of how to proceed with their investments. Since we are in uncharted waters, our efforts are to educate, guide, and empower our clients. Despite the unique nature of today's investment climate, there are parallels with past markets that can be drawn. We can share some of these ideas with you. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to The Tom Dupree Show, Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. iHeartRadio is the number one choice for music, radio, and podcasts. All in one. No one makes it easier to hear everything you love in one free app. There are tons of playlists to choose from. The work at home playlist really helps me stay focused. It's kind of become part of my routine. We went on a road trip. We had a playlist for that. It doesn't even matter, like, how you doing, how you feeling. Like, there's a playlist for all that. Everything in one app. If you're not one of the tens of millions who have the app, download iHeartRadio for free today and start listening. iHeartRadio. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones. 
Because even though not all of us risk a severe case of coronavirus, we all risk getting it and spreading it to others, maybe without even realizing that we're sick. So if we want to get back to school, back to work, back to worship, and back to overall health, there are things our country needs to do. We need to follow state and local guidelines, take extra precautions if at higher risk, wash our hands frequently, stay six feet from others when we can, and when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. After a bit of uh, patchy fog out there early on this morning, we're going to be seeing a mix of sun and clouds out there throughout the afternoon hours, much like we saw yesterday. That will really control the highs today. If you see more sunshine, those highs still could get into the lower 80s. More cloud cover, you're stuck more into the mid to upper 70s. Either way, a beautiful day with dry conditions and a little bit of light wind out there as well. I'm WKYT with Earl Tannenbergson. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. Officer Don here for Quantrell Subaru and the new 2020 Subaru Outback. The most adventurous, most reliable, and safest Outback ever. Plus, the Subaru Outback is recognized by Auto Trader as the best car for dog lovers. And with standard symmetrical drive on all models, that's just one more reason to love the new 2020 Subaru Outback. Drive one on your next adventure. Quantrell Subaru. Quantrell for life. Visit Quantrell.com and go where love takes you. If you're curious about who may be out there but don't want to jump into anything right away, then take a fun step and just take a look at Our Time. Our Time is the number one dating site for singles over 50. It's easy to use and can help you find a partner to share in a new activity you've been wanting to try. Take a walk or just meet someone new. Check it out. Start for free today. Go to OurTime.com. That's OurTime.com. Start for free at OurTime.com. When you're stressed, you just don't feel like yourself. New Natrol Relaxia, a full line of drug-free supplements to help you manage occasional stress and anxiety. A special blend of herbals keeps you feeling calm and balanced throughout the day. Because when there's less stress, there's more you. Try new Natrol Relaxia. Learn more at RelaxiaMood.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, this is Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Many people have 401k and 403b plans for their retirement investment accounts. In certain cases, our firm can help participants in these plans manage their investments. This can be helpful because those retirement plans often offer numerous different mutual funds as investment options, and unless the participant is an investment expert, it can be quite confusing. In this case, we put our investment expertise to work for you, the participant. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP or WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859 233 0400. 
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of the hour. And if you are not on your way down to Auburn, you best be catching a jet airplane because they're going to be kicking off here at about noon today. Following immediately following our show will be the first yeah, you'd be lucky if you can stand outside. You probably can't get a ticket. I don't know how many tickets they sold. I don't. I think they gave a lot of them to students apparently, and I know some people that. So it's a non-revenue event. I I don't know, but there were some people that were flying down and. Give it to the students because they've already got herd immunity. That's what I'm hearing. Anyway, welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Sure is. With Adarsh Meshru, Philip Sexton, and Mike Johnson. And we're going to try to get Tom to um, tighten it on up. (laughs) Powered by Dupree Financial Group. Tom? Yes, ma'am. Uh, America's pensions have been shunning stocks at their own peril. My gosh. So it sounds like pension funds got out of stocks because they obviously function similar to an insurance company. Just the flip side of an insurance company. They provide an annuitized pension for, um, for the participants and, you know, they probably grabbed a bunch of bonds and fixed income interest bearing securities before the rates went to zero. They can't buy bonds now. Right. I mean, it's just, just the bond market is effectively, uh, non-functioning. Um, well, I'm, I, a lot of people own bonds and, but they don't do what they were designed to do. Uh, which is provide a long-term cash flow to meet certain needs. So now uh, it looks like um, <laughs> these guys are going back, and 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 many of them, I'm sure, brought um, private equity, um, specialized investments that might have paid a higher rate of return than. Uh, than a fixed income security would or, uh, or a, a stock dividend. But now they're talking about going back in. Adarsh, you might comment on this. Right. So uh, as you said, you know, I mean, uh, under normal circumstances, these pension funds, well, first of all, they would prefer to derive their income from bonds just because, you know, it's fixed, it's more stable, and it's less risky than, uh, they're less risky than stocks, especially if they're government bonds or highly rated corporate bonds or municipal bonds. Um, but now we are in an environment where uh, interest rates are basically zero on high quality uh, bonds. I mean, you could still reach out and buy low quality stuff, but that comes with its own risks. Um, and uh, these large institutions, you know, they are run by committee and they use basically what's, you know, stuff that comes out from um, academia, all these different theories, you know, whether it be efficient market hypothesis or, uh, you know, so the theory, uh, 
you know, states that, you know, you own stocks and then if they go up, you sell some, put them into bonds, which can work depending on the circumstances. But here, what seems to have happened is that they moved out of stocks thinking that stocks perhaps were expensive because when you look at valuations, they, they were, but they didn't take into account that interest rates would continue declining like they have. Um, and now they are in a situation where, uh, they are not getting the yield out of bonds and they cannot get back into bonds, uh, at least stuff that's uh, maturing. And uh, they are in a position where they have to, they're having to think about going back into stocks uh, because- Because they got to go into something. Yes, they have to. And private equity funds, hedge funds, other specialized uh, investments, they also haven't had the best track record. So hedge funds really haven't performed well over the last 10 years. Uh, so they have been a disappointment also. And now they are just in a conundrum because they have all these liabilities. And the only way they can um, uh, fulfill them is by achieving, uh, I think, 7% is what, what they need. That's the hurdle rate. Uh, and to get that 7%, you know, it seems like equities may be the only option, whether they be U.S. equities or overseas equities. Well, one of the issues they had, too, was um, chasing uh, performance or chasing a uh, certain trade with the, the private equity and hedge funds. Cause when they started shifting to those, they had had a, a pretty good run, right. um, you know, coming out of the financial crisis. Right. And, right. and so they were overweight in equity positions prior to that. And then when they got, you know, they had the underperformance and they shifted to right. the hedge fund private equity. And now they've had that underperformance right. and right. now you're going to have the wave shifting, possibly shifting the other way. So right. it's this perpetual chasing, you know, momentum and the, the water shifts from one side of the boat and you're always chasing your tail, chasing the carrot on the stick. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I, I think too, that, you know, the, the, one of the ladies in here that they, they interviewed, she talks about most pension funds continue to have a 7% hurdle or bogey rate, which is that assumed rate of return that they must hit. And I think one thing that the article doesn't talk about is the reason that, 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 that assumed rate of return is so high, not only is interest rates falling to zero, but also, and we talked about it with the whole California thing is the the changing the rules in the middle of the game. Yeah. You know, there's been, you look at a pension pensions across the country where like KTRS and KERS are, are two perfect examples of where, you know, we're, we're now going to pay this and it's not a, uh, we're going to pay this from here forward. They make retroactive changes to people that were in the pension that had already retired, you know, where basically you've got people that are making more money from a pension than they ever put in oh, it's, to it's the system. Oh, it's ridiculous. And that's what's caused the, the necessary... Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, the necessary need to, to chase these returns. And that's what's put you... You're not going to be able to get them because you can't make something happen that can't happen. You can't... It's, it's just like if you had an IRA and you put in $5,000 a year and you said, in the 20th year, I'm going to take out $100,000 a year out of this. And you've only been putting in five or 10000 a year. You haven't put, put in enough. Now, what happened in Kentucky was 
the legislature just sort of unilaterally said the benefit's going to be 2x rather than x. Yeah. We're we're going to go in and basically give them the, and the taxpayers will have to cover it. <laughs> the bottom line. Well, they cover it anyway because that's who the money comes from. But the the uh, pension was never, you know, actuarially designed to produce those kinds of returns. Then you get into a market like you're in right now, which is down to flat. And where are they going to get it from? It's just going to hasten the demise of the Kentucky pension funds. And that is the key importance of not only having an investment plan and how you're going to go yeah. about investments, but also what the actual pension plan, PLAN plan was and sticking to a plan. When yes. you start changing what the plan is during the middle of the plan, that's, that's, right. that's when you run into trouble with any kind of retirement, 401k, pension, traditional IRA, Roth IRA, any of it. You, you've got to start with a plan and know what your end goal is and never stray from the plan. One of the guys in here, um, Edmondson, uh, he's talking about uh, asset allocation and you know, this, this goes to the, you know, the hedge fund, you know, versus the equities and chasing trades, chasing momentum. You know, that's why you have the plan. That's why you have an asset allocation plan to begin with. And you don't deviate from that just because you're, you're chasing something or because of emotion. And that's why you, you stick with that over a long period of time. And you, you have mid-course corrections. That's one thing. Um, but having a big shift from one direction to the other, that's how you you totally blow up a plan. Uh, and and they you can do it very quickly, um, unfortunately, where you, you, know, you, you deviate because emotionally you think, well, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. And what you end up doing is making a big bet one way or the other. And, you know, you, can't do that with retirement money and that uh, exactly you know and and when you shift something on one end of immediately it causes you to shift something on another you know you think of an individual um at like toyota or something where they say all right i need to get out of here in three years when originally their plan was 10 years so naturally they're going to try to pull 10 years worth of returns out of the next three years, which is the exact opposite of what you need to be doing in something like that. And inevitably you get one of those pandemic markets, right? And it blows up in your face. You know, that's, that's the danger of that is that it just one thing leads to another. And then you've gone from a 10 year retirement to now you've, you're looking at 12 to 15 years, right? Well, and on the, the withdrawals as well, you know, sticking with a plan on a withdrawal rate. Um, and this is where an individual has generally speaking, a little more flexibility than a pension as well. You know, a, they're trying to hit that hurdle rate of 7%. 
um, you know, I'm sure that, you know, that had, takes into account some growth expectations, you know, to try to grow the principal. But, you know, individuals have a little more flexibility on the withdrawal rate, generally speaking. Um, and if, if you're in, you know, a down market, well, possibly some people can reduce their withdrawals, uh, which helps the principal recover quicker. Some people don't. Um, and with the people that don't, you know, you, you need what you need. Um, but all of that can be built into the, the allocation, the, the long-term plan. Um, and the biggest thing is, you know, you, you don't increase your, if you're taking a 4% withdrawal, you don't increase that to 9% pre market drop levels, you know, cause that would then be a 10 or 12% withdrawal rate. So right. you, you stick with a long-term plan on the investments, on the withdrawals, and you, you, it's, it's all about discipline. Big bank stocks offer value for long-term investors. You know, banks are obviously they, they borrow money and they loan money and, um, they try to, uh, create credit. This has been a strange environment for credit creation. It hasn't, uh, worked out as well, but how is it that banks would be a buy in here? I'm interested in hearing you guys discuss that. You want to take it first? Or you you want me to take it? Okay. So what this, this article kind of points out is a few things, but one of the biggest things it talks about is that, uh, banks, one of the, one of the ways that banks are valued as a stock investment is their, their price to book value, which is right. when you, you look at all the loans they've made, the, what they're worth, and all the, the deposits on. Which that are, only means something if the loans are good. Which are something that liability, yeah, it's a liability. And what, what they're calling this downturn um, is an income statement recession and not a balance sheet recession. So there's two things you, you can do. So uh, what a bank does is they, they write off, they write reserves for potential loan losses. Um, and what they've been able to do is they've been able to write reserves, uh, for these potential loan losses that, you know, as they, as they write a, a loss off, it goes against that reserve. It's a contra contra asset. Right. And, they haven't had to write down a loan beyond the reserves because that's when it gets into the balance sheet is when you go, you lose above and beyond. That's 0809. Is that was a, because uh, the government's backstopping everything right a now? A lot of that has to do with that. You know, you've got a lot of the consumers that uh, were actually able to uh, build wealth through unemployment payments, um, yeah. you know, the build a savings account and really kind of ride this thing out. Uh, you know, so on top of that, the losses that banks have put on their income statement, the loss reserves haven't equaled the losses quite yet. You know, so it, it's not, it's not like a 0809 scenario where you're having these mass bankruptcies, mass defaults where you're, you're having to mark to market everything. It's, um, it's quite muted in that stance. And, you know, banks went through a serious crisis, obviously, in 08, 09. And that crisis resulted in them, you know, well, they had to be recapitalized. 
uh, in a lot of cases. But the crisis resulted in them really getting their uh, house in order. And, uh, you know, they had adequate capital ratios going into this crisis. Excess. Excess capital ratios, yes. So they did have some cushion to, uh, you know, uh, survive uh, such a crisis. But I, I think... Ultimately, I mean, there's still we still don't know if there will be longer term consequences uh, in that, you know, even though people may have not defaulted right now, businesses especially, will they default a year from now? Um, but um, at the same time, uh, you know, it's the government that I'm more worried about, you know, because going into this crisis, they were already leveraged and now they're even more leveraged uh, in terms of, you know, borrowing money to, They've been leveraging since the financial crisis. Right. Um, so, um, I mean, it, it remains to be seen how, how this plays out. But we do know that I think the expectations so far were worse than how it's played out when it comes to unemployment, when it comes to these loan reserve write-offs. So I, I think banks have perhaps over-reserved yeah. for it. And, and I would argue not just banks but the tangible economy as a whole you could argue is a buy at this point you know because when you look at the market as a whole you know your 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 tangible businesses and I, what i mean by tangible is something that um you know isn't like a technology basis like google's android platform or something like that i'm talking about your your caterpillars your you know, your, your industrials, your insurances, banks, all these, these things that are stable, you know, pillars of the economy, they all have had this, what you call income statement recession, but not necessarily a balance sheet recession, meaning that, yes, yes, their income statements took a hit this year. What happens when you get to a balance sheet recession is that you're permanently impaired, and that hasn't happened. And that kind of sets you up for, you know, a potential good sign. Well, and the, the key to it, you know, they say, they talk later on, um, the questions asked, why would you buy the banks now? And um, it says, if you look out, you know, two to three years, this guy's saying, don't buy it because something may not happen for two to three years. Well, how do you know? Uh, that, that, that's the thing. If you're, if you're, if you see something that has value, if it's trading, you know, below its normal price to book, you know, the balance sheet looks good. You know, you're seeing all these positive things, a, a solid foundation. Well, you can buy it and you know, you don't know if it's going to be six months or a year, but when it happens, if you say, well, I'm going to wait six months cause I think it'll be a year, but then the market will see it happen before you can act on it right. and it'll move away from you. So when you see value, you build a position in it and you take a long-term approach. Um, and that's that we, we buy the banks through an ETF, right? Yes. Yes. Um, large banks, regional banks. Um, yeah. and we, we had calls with, you know, a number of them, you know, earlier this year. Uh, but through the ETFs, it's a way to further diversify. Right. One of the cool things that this article talks about is the uh, COVID beta. And, and, and I yeah. think that's an interesting thing, too, talking about the underlying economy and that how 
you've seen betas, which are a measurement of risk, significantly change, uh, you know, reflecting what COVID has done in the economy. Hey, thanks for listening. That wraps up another show. If you want to listen to your favorite Tom Dupree shows, you can find them on our website or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And I really would be remiss if I didn't close out this hour and start the UK football season without Tom kicking it off. What is it, Tom? It's football time in the bluegrass. Hey, go Cats. Thanks for listening to the Tom Dupree Show. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great week. Call in. Be ready to speak your mind. Absolutely. I think so. News Radio 630 WLAP, where Lexington comes to talk. Hi, this is Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Many people have 401k and 403b plans for their retirement investment accounts. In certain cases, our firm can help participants in these plans manage their investments. This can be helpful because those retirement plans often offer numerous different mutual funds as investment options, and unless the participant is an investment expert, it can be quite confusing. In this case, we put our investment expertise to work for you, the participant. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, Be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP or WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400.